As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Long ago, before this day's confusion did begin. Throughout the stars did we go wandering Distance was no barrier And time it had no hope Free to come And free to go Free to come And free Hello, everyone, and welcome to Karma Astrologically Speaking. I'm your host, Sherry Horn Hassan of Karmic Evolution Astrology, coming to you on March 14th, 2018, from Contact Talk Radio. Just a quick reminder that this show aims to bring you the truth about astrology and your soul's karmic evolution. Today, I'm very happy to announce my guest is professional astrologer, lecturer, and teacher, Lynn Coiner, who I'll be introducing properly in just a few minutes. But first, let's get right into this week's astro news you can use. So the sun charged into Aries and ushered in the spring equinox yesterday on March 20th, followed a few hours later by the Libra full moon at zero degrees, nine minutes of Aries Libra, and at 6.43 p.m. Pacific Time and 9.43 p.m. Eastern Time. So we're all now under the auspices of the waning Libra full moon, uh, which asks us to release, as do all full moons. So what should we release, you ask? Well, to answer that, let's take a look at the Aries archetype, especially since obviously the sun's moving in there for the next month. Astrologically, Aries represents the baby of the zodiac because it's the first sign in Western tropical astrology and therefore pegs quarterly zodiacal sign changes to the seasons. That means the equinoxes and the solstices, you know, spring and fall equinox, summer and winter solstice. So Aries energy learns by taking an action and seeing what happens as a result. Hence, it's proactive rather than reactive, at least in general. 
Think of the stages of infancy and you'll get what I mean. First, you know, a baby learns to roll over, then to crawl, and finally she pulls herself up through sheer strength of will and exhibits both the impulse and the courage to walk toward and out into the unknown. This provides Aries with the reputation of an independent pioneer or the first to explore, to try something new or to venture beyond its structured borders. So as a baby or the young one, archetypal Aries energy represents our personal will. And as the archetypal sign that's all about taking unimpeded and uninhibited action, Aries energy exhibits motivation, ambition, and assertion, mostly on behalf of our natal sun. In, in traditional astrology, Aries ruler, the planet Mars, exists to aid our sun, whatever our sun sign at birth, to carry out our soul's uniquely creative solar mission as part of our personal hero's journey in this lifetime. Astrologers liken Mars Aries energy to that of a warrior, an athlete, a doer, a mover, a shaker, one who initiates, as I said, rather than responds. Aries-type people often denote an energy either through words or actions that says, I'm going. You can fall in beside me as my comrade, fall in behind me and follow or stay here. But either way, I'm going. So we all have the capability to achieve through our, our you know, uh, proactivity, through the desires of our personal will. However, it's up to how Mars or other planets and angles in the sign of Aries aspects other points in our chart that tells the story of how easy or difficult taking the initiative may be for any given person. So what happens when we have wounded Mars or Aries energy? And this question becomes mega important because at last night's Libra full moon, the moon opposed both the sun and Chiron and Aries. Chiron and Aries, as some of you may know, because I've done past shows and lectured on the subject, asks us to look at where we've been wounded, either in this lifetime or past ones, around our ability to freely express. Perhaps we faced strict, overpowering, or disempowering child-rearing tactics when young. Maybe we came of age in a repressive, angry, or otherwise hostile or violent environment, again, either in this lifetime or during past ones. Perhaps circumstances caused us Circumstances caused us to be unable to speak, move, think, or even worship freely. If so, what did we learn? To reject our natural biorhythms? That anger is the only or the best response? Or maybe that the world would be better off without us? Or perhaps we realized it's safer to please and to placate others in order to avoid a fight which is something we developed as a defense mechanism that was designed originally to ensure our survival. Chiron's configuration into this lunation calls attention to where in our lives we held back or did not heed the call of the warrior. Alternatively, it may show us where we've been too quick to react, especially with anger. This Libra full moon reminds the Aries sun and Chiron that there are others out there who will help us should we need and allow them to do so? In short, it can show us the right use of our sword and shield and how to express our martial energies both appropriately and to our best advantage. So if we are overly proactive, impatient, impetuous, assertive, aggressive, 
angry or uber sexual, it's the Libra archetype that can show us another way. The gains we may make through negotiation or cooperation help us understand that peace and harmony are the end goals of relationship rather, rather than simple ego domination. And for that, we may have to lay down our warrior sword and shield because perhaps what we're fighting for is no longer relevant to our present circumstance. Alternatively, this lunation may highlight where we must take up the fight in order to grow in consciousness if we've refused to do so in the past. Now, I know I said, and going over my notes, I, I said last week that things would be relatively quiet leading up to the Libra full moon yesterday, and I want to acknowledge that, boy, was I wrong. What I overlooked was the fact that the transiting karmic nodal axis squared both dwarf planet Eris and goddess asteroid Astria, which undoubtedly had a hand in the recent explosive violence around the world. Of course, I'm referring to the 50 lives lost and those many others who were wounded in Christchurch, New Zealand, when a gunman opened fire at two mosques during prayer, uh, during prayer time last week. Again, just I say this almost every week, if I bring in um, news, either local or national or international, it's for the purpose of bringing the astrological aspects in the sky down to earth to show us how they might be mirrored in the collective so that we can see how we may mirror them in our personal life. So you may recall that Eris is known as the goddess of chaos, strife, and discord in Greek mythology. She's actually one of Mars, I think she's Mars' sister, actually, but she's kind of his henchman. She accompanied him into the field of battle. Um, suffice it to say, it's Eris who lit the match that sparked the Trojan War as a result of expressing her displeasure at not being invited to a banquet of the god and then sneakily creating competition between them as a result. And Astria, which is often linked astrologically to Virgo because her displeasure and disapproval of the imperfect nature of life on Earth led to her abandonment of the planet to go live among the stars, represents our inability to let go and accept things as they are, no matter how imperfect they may seem. So at this Libra Moon's nodal square to Eris and Astria, which was building last week up through the weekend, along with the waxing square from heavy hitters Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn to the same uh, goddess of discord and the asteroid that represents rigidly perfectionistic, you know, stuff, we may feel collectively as though we're between a rock and a hard place. In serious-minded, success-oriented, but often fear-based Capricorn, Saturn and Pluto make formidable opponents in the collective's evolutionary battle against discord and resistance to accepting the realities of life. And, you know, finding compromises and negotiations through the Libra opposite archetype of the, moon, of the sun in Aries. So these recent explosive events in the collective revolving around martial themes such as guns, but others also that, that are around sexual harassment, rape, and the plutonic themes of money and sexual coercion make this pretty obvious. There may be more explosive news to come in this age of Me Too, money laundering, political investigations, sexual trafficking. I was watching uh, Rachel Maddow last night talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Boy, that's there's a good case if for any who are understanding what I'm talking about. And abusive sexual crimes by religious figures. All this stuff has been in the news um, for at least the last year, off and on. 
So as always, look to the news for examples of this as above, so below philosophy and action and bring it down into your personal life to see where these energies mirror uh, your own more immediate environment. Now, it's interesting that both last week's horrific New Zealand terrorist event, in which, as I noted, 50 Muslim worshippers were gunned down at two mosques in New Zealand, and another one three days later involving another deranged gunman on a tram going through a heavily Muslim neighborhood in Utrecht, which is in the Netherlands. These um, horrific things happened while the sun was in Pisces. So I just want to point out that originally ruled by Jupiter before the discovery of the planet Neptune in the 1860s, Pisces is an archetypal energy that is often connected to religion. It's more often connected to spirituality, but when we see it, um, especially now as Jupiter is, wa is in waxing in and out of a square to Neptune and Pisces, we can see these themes are prominent in the sky. It turns out, however, that this Dutchman is, quote, a Turkish immigrant described by acquaintances as a sometimes religious man with a criminal record who may have been entangled in a dispute with his ex-wife, according, again, to the New York Times. However, since the sons moved into Aries, the New Zealand prime minister has announced, and here I quote again from the Times, a, a national ban on all military-style semi-automatic weapons, all high-capacity ammunition magazines and all parts that allow weapons to be modified into the kinds of guns used to kill 50 people at two mosques in Christchurch last week. And this is a quote from the prime minister. What we're banning today are the things used in last Friday's attack, she said, adding, it's all about us. It's in the national interest and it's about safety. So there you see the Libra component sacrificing the few for the many. Oh my God, do you have to give up your gun so that one guy isn't gonna go out there and gun down a whole group of people? Maybe so. Anyway, it's no surprise that we may see action around ideas and concepts during the time the sun is moving through Aries this month. However, with Mercury and Pisces retrograde till next week on March 28th, it's far better that we revisit old plans, ideas and concepts now and roll them out after Mercury's shadow period is over around April 7th. Um, so the sun will meet up exact with Chiron and Aries tomorrow on March 22nd, and Mercury retrogrades sextiles Neptune and Pisces again on the 24th. Venus enters Pisces on the 26th, sextiles Uranus and Taurus on the 27th, and Mercury stations direct on the 28th, the same day transiting Pluto meets up exact with the Capricorn South Node. Again, you know, there's a lot of resonance here with the Piscean energy towards charitableness, towards compassion. You know, and the first thing we need to understand is we need to show compassion for ourselves, and then we can extend that to others. If not, we fall into the whole victim-martyr trap. So that's very much um, a part of the theme of Venus when she enters Pisces next week, and we're still being asked up until the 28th to revisit that. When Pluto meets up with the South Node, we have another reminder uh, that it's time to release, time to release old beliefs that perhaps no longer serve and to work within the collective, given the waning power of this Libra full moon, to find compromises, to find um, common ground and not to polarize. You know, let's release the polarizations that we have based on the plutonic kinds of themes of control and disempowerment. 
We need to lose whatever disempowers us and to strengthen that which empowers us during this, this um, you know, leading up to this meetup. And of course, Saturn will follow um, in, in a month or two. But, you know, Capricorn is the belief system. So what is it that we believe that actually ends up disempowering us rather than empowering us as we try to grow in consciousness and go forward in this lifetime? Okay, again, enough from me. So let me now introduce this week's guest. A full-time professional astrologer since 1969, Lynn Coiner is the international liaison for the National Council for Geocosmic Research, or NCGR, and the president of the Annapolis NCGR chapter. Lynn travels annually to Europe to interview astrologers for the Global Gatherings column and is an instructor for the International Academy of Astrology's Department of Professional Training's Medical Astrology Curriculum since 2009. Graduates of this program also receive equivalency credits toward course requirements at Kepler College. The lynncoiner.com website offers free articles for downloading, a forum, a forum for questions on medical issues, and her Common Cures articles which offer information on allopathic and alternative treatments for common ailments. Lynn has a Facebook page called Lynn Coiner Medical Sharing and a strict astrological page called NCGR Annapolis. It's my pleasure to welcome you back to Astrologically Speaking, Lynn. How are you doing today? Hello, Sherry. I'm doing just fine. Um, it's good to talk to you. So go ahead and ask your questions. <laughs> okay. Well, Given the fact that, of course, I know that, and we've been publicizing, publicizing that you'll be holding a workshop at NCGR Philly um, on 12th House Planets, uh, which will occur on March 23rd, which is this Saturday, uh, can you tell us the general meaning of the 12th House and the relevance of planets there when, you know, when we have them there in our own individual charts? Well, I, I have two planets in the 12th house, so I'm not afraid of 12th house planets, and I actually love my 12th house planets. I know when I was first studying astrology in these old astrology books, they'd say the 12th house is the, the dustbin of the zodiac, um, uh, secret enemies, uh, self-undoing, all these horrible yeah, things. Yeah, it's pretty horrible, right? <laughs> I haven't found any of these things to be true. What mm -hmm. I have noticed is th these are very, very powerful planets. Um, I I'll just inject, I'm sure you know, there was a French researcher, uh, Michel Gauquelin. I don't think he was an astrologer, but he was looking at the, uh, uh, the charts of, say, athletes, um, scientists, politicians, and he found at least one of the areas just into the 12th house to be one of the most powerful uh, significators of, say, a vocation for, for an individual. Mm. And what it is is why it's so powerful is when you have a planet there, uh, that energy or that quality was deemed intolerable by a parent who recognized that, uh, uh, that strong energy and kind of encourage you to suppress it. 
because it's suppressed, you need an outlet for it. And this is why I say you need to find an occupation or an avocation that uses that energy. Otherwise, if you keep it buried inside, it can lead to physical ailments. However, I find most people do find an outlet for their 12th house planets. I'm going to give you an example so it doesn't seem like you've got these horrible parents. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to use these... Uh, um, because planets in the 12th house usually have to do with events that occurred before you were born, some type of trauma or event that led to a parent wanting you to suppress the energy of that planet. And this sounds very complicated, but let me give you an example. Uh, I have a friend who, uh, uh, when I look at her chart, she has the sun in the 12th house. And I have a technique, which I won't go into now, of regressing your chart into a parent's past. And that 12th house sun was, I mean, it was so exact, was triggered September 1st, 1939. Well, you know a little history. That's mm -hmm. when Hitler invaded Poland. Mm -hmm. Now, this girl was Jewish. Her family was Polish in the, uh, living in Poland at the time of this invasion. And what it is, is her family was rescued by a, a, a Christian farmer who put the people, uh, her family, in their barn uh, for about six years. Wow. And what it is, is in America, the message was, uh, uh, don't be who you really are, like your son, who you really are. Uh, well, yeah, uh, hide, right? Hide your true that's nature. It. Hide your true nature. Don't be too Jewish because something terrible could happen. Right. And uh, uh, she also has very strong arana, so she became very rebellious and became very Jewish. But being so rebellious, not only is she very Jewish, she's very much into the Kicker Casey uh, uh, philosophy and the, and the study uh, of Jesus. But mm -hmm. it was that son don't be too Jewish. Don't show who you really are. And uh, um, a as a result, she has worked on expressing that son by being very Jewish. Uh, there was no religion in her in her family life, but she went on to study um, uh, c the conservative branch and the orthodox branch. And uh, uh, so she learned to express that son and to be who she really is and not care what other people think. So that's kind of an example of, uh, of how that works. These weren't abusive parents. It was just the fear that, that started back in World War II that made them say don't be too jewish because something terrible you know, could happen that's so funny that you chose to uh present that example because i have pluto in my 12th house and um my i'm jewish and my family my grandparents got out of um the ukraine and um, grandfather came from the russian polish border somewhere because back then it used to switch hands they came over everyone at the um uh turn of the century so it goes back further in my family because I don't have any members who are Holocaust survivors. However, I know that the 12th house is interpreted also as an ancestral house. And when I look at it, I'm like, wow, you know, my grandfather left. He was sent out of the country at the age of 12 with his 16-year-old uh, brother. And they made their way to Palestine, where I believe they lived on a kibbutz for like four years. And then they made their way down to Piraeus, Greece, and came over here. Very so, 
My, my grandfather from Riga, Latvia, left around the same time when he saw them beating the Jews in the streets openly. Yes, and he yes. came over. So it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's very interesting. It's interesting that you say it has to do with ancestral patterns. Now, mm -hmm. I attributed that to the fourth house, but it's interesting because it really can be interpreted that way as things that happened before you were born that had a strong impact on your parents who, right. uh, you know, who influenced you in a way that you learned to suppress a plant. I also have Pluto in the 12th house. So. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it's interesting because Jupiter rules. I have Sagittarius on the cusp of the fourth, and I also look at that as my family is one of immigrants, not not my parents, but right, my grandparents, right. Absolutely. So, you know, moving. But, you know, tell me this. What if one has no planets in the 12th? Does that um, just make the ruler more important? Um, no. If you don't have planets in the 12th house, I don't really take the ruler into consideration. Some people mm -hmm. may... Um, but I just, I, I, there's so much in the chart that I really don't take that into consideration. What I do consider is sometimes if there are important transits through the 12th house. I was just going to ask you that. Okay. Transits and progressions. Yeah. Right. Tell us. Um, because often it's a time of, um, uh, uh, that energy becomes suppressed in a certain way. Now, let me give an example. There was a, a friend of mine, and for a number of years, Pluto was going through her 12th house. And what it is, is she was in a position of not being in power. And she, But she observed how uh, bosses, authority figures would misuse and abuse their power, or how some would use it in a positive way. So that when Pluto crossed her ascendant, when it came out of that house, she rose to a position of authority herself. Mm. And, and she learned from those that, that long period of Pluto being in the 12th house of, now I know how to be a good authority figure. Because I know what it's like to be a bad one, and I know what it's like to be a good one. Um, so it, it's a time when, like, even with Uranus in the 12th house, this is a time of suppressing self. Don't be too weird. Uh, don't show people that you're interested in astrology. Uh, mm -hmm. Just conform. And then when Uranus crosses the ascendant, you get shot out of a cannon and <laughs> you're able to express that, that quality. I'll, yeah. add, I'll add something about natal Uranus in the 12th house. Oh, please do. Uh, you know, it was back in the in the 1970s with our local ARE Edgar Casey organization. Uh, they wanted they did uh, annual fundraisers, and so I did uh, astrological readings to raise money for our local chapter. And uh, uh, I noticed all these ARE people having Uranus in the 12th house. Oh, cool. I said, this is really unusual. But it indicates that they came up in an environment uh, where the parents don't be too weird. Don't shock other people because they're uh, going to think they're crazy. Uh -huh. And so they learn to suppress that. So what it is, is it's suppressed and it can make you sick. Uh, you can have uh, uh, nervous problems or maybe even a breakdown. But what it is, is the best way to use Uranus in the 12th house is to hang around so-called weird people. So all of these ARE people, they hung around with uh, people who are into astrology, astrology reincarnation, meditation. Get, right? 
<laughs> and so what it is is that's it's a very easy and it's a very healthy way to express Uranus. And so as long as they were doing that, they were comfortable with themselves. Um, I, I know one woman who had Uranus in the 12th house. She was interested in astrology and she was a teacher at a local university. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, she would always keep her astrology books in her desk. Nobody knew. And she says, one day I read about an astrology lecture and an astrology group. And she says, when I walked into that room, I knew I was home. And yeah. then she just pursued astrology. So there are easy ways to express that uh, um, uh, so-called repressed planet. But it's very important. And remember, there are psychological factors that went on with the parents or grandparents that caused you to learn to suppress that energy. But it's mm-hmm. only because it's so powerful uh, that it's, you know, don't do anything weird. Don't shock other people. Just try to get along and cope. And you have to find an outlet for it because these are things that can make you uh, make you sick if you repress some vital part of your inner nature. It's interesting, Lynn, because I've found that a lot of people that I've either, you know, either friends or uh, clients where Uranus is in the 12th, I view the 12th house to be also a fairly psychic house. You know, the the, the energy is thin there. And a lot of them, I think, have uh, psychic capabilities that they hide also because they don't. They fear them. They don't understand them. Their family is religious or somehow, you know, or, or very rational, you know, and logical, and they don't want to accept it. So have you found that, too? Um, you know, the psychic houses are the 12th, the 8th, and the 4th. Right. Um, with the 12th house, it, it is in some ways um, uh, so much more psychological. Uh, the 8th house is a house where... It, the individual feels energy is like the a spider feels the tug on the web. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it's a kind of energy that they feel. Um, but the 12th house does have a lot of psychic and intuitive abilities because basically, if you look to the core of that, uh, when energies are suppressed, there's a certain uh, uh, psychic sensitivity that you develop as kind of a survival issue. Mm-hmm. Um you often see that with Pluto in the 12th house of, uh, um, you know, is my mother in a bad mood or in a good mood? And they they develop abilities for research and psychological understanding because they suppressed some of their power. But in suppressing it, they learn to be observers mm-hmm. uh, and be sensitive to um, is somebody in a, is a mom in a good mood? Is she in a bad mood? And say they learn to sense the I, I guess I would call them psychological issues. And uh, so they make them it's an excellent uh, position for people who are profilers, uh, psychologists, uh, I'm going to use another example mm-hmm. of uh, uh, Mercury. Now, there's in astrology, there's something called interceptions. It gets get kind of complicated, but it's if you have uh, um, uh, one planet on the 12th house cusp, and it skips over, well, I'm sorry, one sign on the 12th house cusp, and it skips over, and the ascendant would have a different uh, sign. So it becomes blocked in that house and there was a woman i've known for many years she had mercury and pisces intercepted in that 12th house 
And she says, I have thoughts buried so deep inside of me, I don't even know what they are. But what she did, she became a psychotherapist in a woman's prison. Oh, wow. And and so what it is, is I I know myself, because I have Mercury in the 12th house, Mm -hmm. that in having people discuss their problems, it puts you in touch with your own issues. Because when I would teach astrology in my home, when I came up in the 70s and 80s and the first half of the 1990s, it was much more of a psychological approach to astrology. Uh, What does this do at a psychological level? And I found that for especially for me, incredible therapy to talk about these aspects and what they meant, having other people who, um, I know one woman described an aspect that I also have, and I said, oh my goodness, that's exactly how I am. So in her case, in discussing things with the the women who are in prison, she actually learned a lot about herself and opened up that mercury, so she was more in touch with how she felt by Uh, uh, interacting with other people who are expressing their feelings. Interesting. I've noticed, too, that Mercury in the 12th, a lot of times is, um, I guess I'd call it a closet writer. You know, my my career revolves around uh, writing and editing, so I deal with a lot of clients who are writers, and a lot of times they'll, if their Mercury's in the 12th, they've been working on stuff, you know what I mean? Like, just, just it's a way for them to express themselves, but they don't bring it out into the light. You know, people who keep journals or do the um, um, Julia Cameron program, the, the what is it called? The uh, I forgot. The Healer's Way or something? There's some, uh, you, you know, know. I, but what it is is when Mercury's in the 12th, it's something suppressed. And in my case, it was my mother who was, I have three plants in Gemini. Uh, my mother was also a Gemini, and uh, she was always the one that had to do all the talking. Uh, and you couldn't contradict her. Um, you, you had to, she talked and you had to listen, but what it is, is communication was something very vital to me. And so, uh, you know, as I moved away from my mother, I became a writer, a teacher, a lecturer. I do all those mercury things. So mm-hmm. it's very important when you have a planet in the 12th house to do the things that are represented by that mercury. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I have uh, another couple of questions. I'm going to kind of run two of these together because my understanding is that the 12th house, 6th house axis, um, mm-hmm. with the 6th house being in part the house of health, that this can represent mind-body connection. Um, so I'm wondering if you could, you know, let me know your thoughts on that, but then also... Um, you know, talk about the connection between the 12th and the 6th in terms of any specific kind of, uh, well, kinds of illnesses that specific planets there can create, you know, if they remain, like you say, repressed and unexpressed. Can we see, in other words, through the 6th house also, what might manifest um, um, you know, I, I really wouldn't look at the sixth house. I really look at the 12th as anything that is a suppressed energy. For example, if the moon is in the 12th house, you learn to suppress your own emotional needs. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you took care of mom. Mom's emotional needs kind of reign supreme in the family. And so you learn to suppress your own emotional needs. And one of the problems is sometimes these people get into nurturing professions. Uh, they're giving to others what they really want for themselves mm-hmm. when it's vital that they get those things for themselves, that they nurture themselves. Because the moon, 
uh, it is actually a planet that rules writing. Uh, and it would be writing about how you feel. There was a, a, a young girl years ago who contacted me. She had a terminal illness. And she said, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of time, but, you know, is there anything that I would be good at while I have some time here on the planet? Mm -hmm. And I know with the moon in the 12th house, I said, you need to have a blog, go online and talk about your feelings, Uh, uh, you know, communicate how you're feeling, what you're going through to share this with other people. She was so happy. She says, that's exactly what I want to do. Oh, wow. Uh, And so there's a, because if you suppress your emotional needs, I I guess the two easiest things would be uh, with the moon would be water retention. And that may tie in with the lymphatic system where there may Uh be swelling in the legs. And the other more uh, uh, prominent than water retention would be allergies. The moon is very much connected with allergic reactions to things. And sometimes uh, these aren't all, you know, they can be hay fever and seasonal allergies allergies but there's something called uh, um, uh, um, where you have uh, a food intolerances mm-hmm. uh, and, and it doesn't manifest as getting sick or having an anaphylactic reaction when you have a strawberry what it does it causes low-grade inflammations and those low-grade inflammations from eating certain foods that uh, um, you're having reactions to can make you a uh, uh, it can wear you down, make you more uh, tired and fatigued. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could cause irritations. Um, uh, I know there was uh, um, sometimes uh, uh, when you have uh, uh, when the, when I'll say when the moon is is badly aspected in the chart. I'm going to give you an example uh, of a girl who had actually the moon was in the uh, um, in the twelfth house opposing planets in the sixth. And she's in Germany, and so her mother was very German. And she said that uh, if she came to the dinner table and didn't have a smiley face on, her mother would make her go back to her room and come back with a smile on her face. Oh, wow. And she says, all the foods that my mother would cook for me, she says, I have an allergic reaction to. She says, "Now, now I can eat raw carrots. But I can't eat cooked carrots because my mother never served uh, raw carrots. She served cooked carrots. Mm -hmm. And she says a lot of the foods that were connected with this trauma with her mother that always being criticized and put down um, uh, were things that she developed an allergic reaction to. So there's a strong emotional basis uh, for these allergic reactions. Uh, I have something similar in my own chart. And in my case, it was with the repressed moon. Actually, the moon is intercepted. And I find interceptions where they're blocked in a house are very similar to 12 house positions. And in my case, it was I couldn't cry. Stop that crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my mother wanted to cry, but she couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so what it is, is I learned to cry another way by having allergies where the water would be, my nose would run, my eyes would run. And so I'd be going through all of the motions of crying, but it was an allergic, it was allergies. Interesting. Wow. Now, now I'll also mention in terms of how I would use a 12th, 6th. If you have several planets in the 12th house, it's really called a stellium. Mm-hmm. 
And I always say, and if you go on my website, I have an article on stelliums. Uh, if you have a, a stellium, you need to go to the opposite house. Because if you have a lot of plants in the 12th house, you find yourself very easy to isolate um, now, it's true with people with 12th house planets, so I'm not criticizing uh, spending a lot of time alone, because if you have planets in the 12th house, then you can't be on 24-7. Um, when I'm with people and giving lectures, then all of a sudden I need to retreat and go and be by myself. Um, so 12th house people need that private time to be alone, uh, to kind of recharge their batteries. Um, but if you have a lot of planets in the 12th house, you need to go to the, the opposite house, which is the sixth house that you need to, it's, it's, you need that time alone, uh, by yourself to read or meditate or just watch television. But you need to get outside yourself, and that is to find some type of working activity that draws you in with other people, even if it's a service profession, that you're working with other people. That sixth house is finding meaningful work that takes you outside of yourself, takes you away from yourself, so you don't become too self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you're self-absorbed, it tends to distort things. But I will add that if you have plans the 12th house, you always need your private time. You need that time alone. And I know, especially with my Mercury in the 12th house, uh, if I'm engaged in conversation, like you don't really have to ask questions. I could talk the entire hour. <laughs> but once it's over, I don't have anything to say. And I know, you know, I have some astrology friends, they'd say, Lynn, you're so quiet. Did, did, are you angry or upset? Or is it your 12th house Mercury? And I said, it's my 12th house Mercury. Yeah. I finished talking, I have nothing to say. Oh, so now I kind of shut down verbally. So you have to, what I would do is I would tell people how I am. I said, when I'm on, I will be talking nonstop when I'm engaged mentally. But once that's over, I have nothing to say, and it's not right. that I'm angry or upset. Um, well, it's like you've completely emptied yourself, right? And now you're going to rest and then go back out and, you know, let the neurons and synapses fire again. That's how I would think of it. Something very interesting. Um, uh, there was a uh, uh, an English astrologer. We were in Europe, not in England, at a conference. And a bunch of the astrologers were all together in this big room. And all of a sudden, she got up and said... I have to confess, I'm a 12th house person, and I need to get away from all of you. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm very cranky. And she says, I just need to have some alone time. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but let me go out and kind of walk and kind of be by myself. When I come back, I'll be in a much better mood. And I said, oh, she's so interesting. I'm going to miss her. But she was gone for about 45 minutes when she came back in. And I said, I know exactly how she is. She needs that alone time because all of us were, you know, from other countries. We were in a foreign country, and uh, where we didn't we didn't know anyone except ourselves. So we were always together, and she just needed to get off and be by herself. Well, so you know, I, Lynn, the, the the work I've done with uh, psychics and people who are very energy sensitive. A lot of times, I find it's a twelfth house energy that it, they're very porous. They're emotionally and psychically porous. So. What happens is they get flooded by everybody's energy 
and then they have to kind of remove themselves. So I think it's really, really important, and I don't know if you would agree, but for people who do have 12th house planets, especially one of the luminaries, um, to protect their energy, you know, to make sure before they go into a group situation that they have done whatever it is they they feel necessary, you know, to kind right. of bolster themselves so that they can tell what's theirs and what's the groups or what's right. the other people around them. But it's it's very important that they always allow for their own private time to kind of recharge those batteries. Um, so we're saying things in a different way, but it's really the same thing. Right, right. Now, you, you mentioned the sixth house having to do with work, because, of course, it's a workout. So can you give us a little bit more information about how the 12th house planets, you mentioned a few of them, how they might play out? You know, if we think of it in terms of being opposite the six, but also um, expressing them as a way not only to be of service, but, you know, through our vocation where, you know, vocation, of course, is a, has a wide definition, right? Profession is where we earn our living. Vocation can also be a hobby. But um, how, you know more about that, because that's really interesting. Uh, now, what are you asking for? Uh, uh, like, Well, maybe like some of the planets you haven't mentioned, like... Okay. Um, uh, like what Venus is, or Mars okay. in there. You know? Okay. When Mars is in the 12th house, one learned to, su to uh, uh, suppress their initiative uh, and to suppress anger. Sometimes they come up in a family where people have Mars retrograde or Mars afflicted or Mars intercepted. And so they learned to stay out of trouble. You don't get in these fights. I suppress this. So it's very important for them to do Marsy things, uh, and that can be any type of sports that are kind of aggressive. Uh, I know when there was a strong Mars aspect in my own chart, I took up boxing. I loved boxing. Um, and uh, uh, there can be things where you have tennis and you bat that ball. But there are other things that you can do with Mars, depending on the sign. It can be activism, because Mars has a lot of anger that gets suppressed. And when Anger is suppressed. It gives uh, um, it, le it can lead to depression. Uh, I've worked with a psychologist. I've developed a, uh, a lecture on depression, the acute Mars uh, dysfunction. And, uh, and she says that um, you have to be very, very angry to be that depressed mm -hmm. because it's internalized. Mm -hmm. And so well, when I'm Mars is in the... You need sometimes it could be in military. They're always easy outlets. It could be like sports. It can be activism where you get angry and get out there and, you know, champion the underdog where you can really use anger in a positive way. Also in the medical profession. Right. I know I remember reading years ago. Um, I don't know if it was out of the Gauguin report or not, but a lot of Mars in, uh, in the 12th house people are surgeons or, you know, doctors or nurses. Yes. Especially like an emergency room. <laughs> right. Um, other things like uh, Venus in the 12th house, uh, sometimes uh, they don't, don't always feel lovable. And so uh, that makes them very susceptible to flattery. So they need to find things that they do that gain love for themselves. Um, but there's a wide variety of things. I'm in a relationship with somebody with uh, uh, Venus in, in Gemini in the 12th house. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is he works in a, it, it's, uh, um, uh, it, it's designing fancy uh, 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 
like architecture or structures uh, for uh, certain buildings, like a school, a synagogue, a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he does this so well that he gets awards and recognition, but he's not a person that uh, um, would ever, uh, uh, like with Venus in the 12th house, they usually wait to for the other person to uh, uh, make the first move because mm. they don't want to be rejected. But it's very important to develop that self-confidence that comes from getting love for yourself. That can be through creating things. I have one friend who has Venus and Virgo in the 12th house, and, and her great passion is designing jewelry. Um, there were no outlets for music for her, but jewelry is the one thing that she feels that when people buy her jewelry, she just, it's like, uh, they love your baby. Oh, don't you have a gorgeous baby? In her case, <laughs> your baby. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's her creations in terms of jewelry. Right. So it, it's finding um, finding ways to get love and appreciation for yourself. And, and I'm going to put Venus under appreciation. Um where people think oh, what you're doing is is just wonderful. And they can also, with 12th House, be involved in things of a charitable nature uh, because he also uh, does work for Habitats for Humanity. Mm. Uh, what about Saturn? Saturn's such a heavy hitter. When he's in the 12th, I know in traditional astrology, they say Saturn's in his joy there. And I've never studied that, so I don't actually know what it means. But to me... Uh, you know, I can. You, there are several several different ways to look at that. So I'm I'm interested in knowing how you would view that. Um, there's a lot of ways that Saturn can express itself uh, in the twelfth house. Uh, usually, it has to do with um, uh, you know. I, I say that there are two patterns. One is it's indicative of a relationship with a father. Uh, that was conducive, a lot of fear, insecurity, and distrust connected with authority figures. Sometimes that's cultural, because years ago I had a, uh, a student in my class. He had all kinds of degrees, but he was black. And so um, there was a lot of fears connected with how his father really suffered because of racial prejudice. And so in his case, he finds... Uh, 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 like security in uh, in three degrees uh, in getting in a government job because there's a fear that somebody can snatch the rug out from under you. Mm. Um, yet there are other people who really do have a distrust of authority. And so they choose to be uh, uh, self-employed because I, I know of a couple of astrologers who have Saturn in the 12th house. They do not trust authority figures and they they want to be independent and self-sufficient in terms of their careers. So mm-hmm. it does come up, but there are a lot of fears that come up with uh, um, with Saturn in the 12th house. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they can be cultural. Um, uh, sometimes it can be connected with uh, uh, the father figure and fears connected with him uh, or a, an actual distrust of authority figures. And it, it, it can crop up in two ways where the person uh, finds things that give them security, like a government job or like, I don't want to be tied up with anybody else's rules. I want to make my own rules because basically I don't want someone to snatch the rug out from under me and leave me vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So in that, I mean, there's a lot of ways that I'm interpreting that Saturn, but those are the, the two that come to mind right away. Mm, interesting. Well, we have about five minutes left, so I, I don't want to get um, 
uh, missed the opportunity, I want to tell everyone listening again that Lynn is giving a workshop on Saturday, March 23rd. If you want information about it or would like to sign up if you're in the area, go to NCGR Philly's Facebook page and you'll find the event there um, and means by which you can read more about it. But I assume that Lynn is going to get to working with some individual's charts and also um, um, you know, go through all of the planets in the 12th. So I urge anyone who's interested and having been to Lynn's lectures before and workshops, amazing. So do not miss it. I know, Lynn, also that you're giving, and I just want to ask if you could speak about it for a minute or so, um, on, on Sunday the 24th, for those who are in the area, and if you can't or uh, make the workshop or want to attend in addition, she's also giving a lecture um, on the astrological symbols of near-death experiences, ghost phenomena, and UFO abductions. And I think it centers around septiles. So, you know, I, can you just tell us really briefly a little bit more about that? Um, the septile aspect is a 51 degree aspect and you, you really need a, a computer to pick that aspect out for you. Uh, but I've done a lot of interviews with people who consider themselves, uh, UF, UFO abductees. And there's a certain psychological profile that goes with this. Um, and also one of the things I, Okay, I will tell everybody, if you go to lincoiner.com, I have uh, uh, like about four pages on septiles and multidimensional phenomena, as well as a dates of what I call transiting septile clusters. Mm -hmm. uh, what it is, is on these dates, if you do meditation or, uh, uh, you know, want to connect with uh, uh, spirit guides, these are really good dates because they're often associated at times when people see ghosts. What happened, I was in uh, Poland. You see this stuff about the, uh, the Nazi gold in the tunnels in Poland. I actually went in one of those tunnels and I saw a Nazi soldier. I mean, he was just as clear walking in front of me. Wow. And I, I had to walk around to make sure, is, is that a real person? But there was nothing there. And I, I, I had to go back to my room and get the computer. And sure enough, on that date was a powerful septile cluster. It kind of opens up a vortex whereby you can contact, uh, um, have multidimensional phenomena or experiences. And one of this was years ago. I remember it was on March 21st. I said, this is a very powerful uh, septile cluster date where you can can see UFOs, whatever. And wow. one of my clients is, is I was on a plane on that date and the airline pilot says, I don't know if you believe in UFOs, but if you look out on the other side of that plane, you're going to see one. He says, it's one of the plane didn't flip over. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> went over to that side of the plane. Wow. And says, I could not believe it was on the exact date uh, that you said we could have this type of experience, but you can get that on my uh, website. You oh can my get God, that dates. So and download a lot of things about uh, multidimensional phenomena. It's 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 free. Uh, it's on my website. I don't know if it's under. I think it may be under transits. Um, but it'll have those dates there when you can experience. Very cool. Phenomena. Very cool, Lynn. Thank you. That's so cool. Um, I'm going to have to wrap up now, but I also want to let people. So it's Lynn Coiner, K O I N E R dot com. And that mentioned that Lynn is also going to be speaking and holding a uh, one-day workshop on medical astrology at the NCGR 
annual conference in Baltimore, which takes place, I think it's from August 30th through September 2nd or 3rd. Yes. Um, so I want to mention that. If you want to get in touch with Lynn, please do so through her site, lynncoiner.com. And Lynn, thank you so much. You are an amazing fountain of wealth. So thank you so much for Already. joining me today. Thank you, Sherry. Oh, you're more than welcome. And I can't wait to see you. I will see you on Saturday. So I, I oh, can't great. wait to be part of that. Yeah, I'm coming. I, I'm coming. I got Pluto. Yeah, I got to go. Um, anyway, thanks again. And thank you, everyone else, for joining me today. And I hope you found the information presented here helpful as you continue your karmic evolution in this lifetime. Be sure to join me next week on March 28th for another episode of Karmic Evolutions, Astrologically Speaking. Till then, may your journey be filled with karmic healing and the joy of greater consciousness. Namaste. Long ago, before this day's confusion did begin Throughout the stars did we go wandering Distance was no barrier and time it had no hope Free to come And free to go Free to come And free to go Open up the book The book of stars As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.